Hi, I'm Tony Hines, and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain and This is the News Roundup, everything impacting global supply chains this week. $430 billion, which is seen as the biggest climate change package in U.S. history. More grain leaves Black Sea ports. Brent crude down to $95 a barrel. Petrol and gasoline prices lower. Consumer prices still problematic. Inflation still high. And energy prices still a big problem. According to Reuters, the Russian economy has shrunk by 4% in the last quarter due to sanctions. New forecasts say British consumers will pay £4,200 for the average gas supply this winter. Inflation in the United States has come down from June when it was 9.1%. It's fallen back to 8.7%. The speculation over whether this is a result of the raising of the interest rates in the United States by the Federal Reserve. And there's some opinion that uh, interest rates will continue to rise to keep inflation under control. Five Chinese state corporations have been delisted from the New York Stock Exchange by agreement after audit investigations. Oil giant Sinopec, China Life Insurance, Aluminium Corporation of China, Chalco, PetroChina, a separate Sinopec entity, Sinopec Shanghai Petrochemical, and each of them said they'd apply to delist their American depository shares this month. The remain listed on Hong Kong and in mainland China. In May, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission red-flagged the five companies as failing to meet U.S. auditing standards. Beijing and Washington are in talks to resolve the long-running audit dispute. Now, a report from Nomura Bank says that asset managers are using artificial intelligence-based ESG ratings to make investment decisions. And the advantages of using such ratings include daily updates and deeper insights, including sentiment analysis. Yeah, who would have thought sentiment analysis would be in financial reports? Reprisk, True Value Labs and Arabesque S-Ray are three of the leaders in artificial intelligence-based ratings. Now, traditionally, ESG-focused institutions have relied on analysts for the data and the assessment, but now they're searching for other ways to get to that data and gather that intelligence. Now, interesting, isn't it? And don't forget, you can catch up on my new concepts, my supply chain concepts in under five minutes, and you'll hear my episode on ESG, which is explaining the concept of what an ESG is. In case you don't know, I'm sure you do, but if you don't, it's there in under five minutes. Take a look on the uh, podcast platforms that you get your podcasts from. Now, a report from Reuters this week says that uh, in Eastern Europe, double-digit inflation is taking hold and they were relatively slow to follow the rest of Europe into higher inflation as they were able to increase wages and stay ahead of the game for a little while after Russia's invasion of Ukraine. But now, apparently, 
Hungary it's 15 to 22 percent as food prices and energy prices are taking the toll. So, uh, so it's sharing the pain everywhere now. Now this week there's been a large fire at Cuba's largest oil storage facility and it's killed and injured a number of fire fighters and it threatens to disrupt energy supplies locally through the power grid. This is likely to increase the bill for fuel into Cuba and the rest for help from the United States amongst other countries, anyone that can help with firefighting and so on. And what they're deciding to do at the moment, because they can't bring this fire under control, it's out of hand, is to store oil offshore as a temporary solution so that they've got enough fuel to power the electricity grid. So that's an interesting story of disruption to the supply in Cuba. Cuba relies on 2.4 million barrels from a terminal that's about 60 miles from Havana for most of its crude and heavy fuel imports and storage. Mantanza is Cuba's only terminal with the ability to receive large tankers rated for 100,000 tonnes of dead weight. It also serves as a hub for domestic oil output, which is used to blend in the country's power plants and for onward distribution to local refineries. So quite a problem there. Hope they get it sorted out soon. Sri Lanka's southern port of Hambantota is of course on lease from the Chinese government. This happened after there was a failure to repay a loan. And I reported this in my recent episode on energy and China's Belt and Road Initiative to invest in various places to secure its energy supplies. Well, Hambantota in Sri Lanka is the subject of uh, some controversy. India have said they don't want military ships in the Sri Lankan port, and Sri Lanka agreed that they wouldn't allow ships in, but apparently they'd already agreed to uh, let the Yuan Wang 5 due to arrive on Thursday this week into the port. But they're now backtracking and they're asking China not to have the ship dock at Hambantota at present. In New Delhi, fears are that China will use Hambantota as a military base in India's backyard. It's uh, a port of $1.5 billion and it's the main shipping route from Asia to Europe from Sri Lanka. Bit of chaos in Sri Lanka at the moment with the arrival of a new president and the outgoing president leaving in disgrace, so some problems. Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesman Wang Wenbin said at a regular news briefing that China relations with Sri Lanka were not targeted at third parties. Relations between India and China have been strained since armed clashes in the Himalayan border two years ago, which killed 20 Indian soldiers and four Chinese soldiers. On August the 12th, the House of Representatives approved $430 billion, which is seen as the biggest climate change package in US history. It's a major legislative victory for President Joe Biden ahead of the midterms in November. The legislation is to fight climate change and lower prescription drug prices. It's aimed at cutting greenhouse gas emissions, and it will allow Medicare to negotiate lower drug prices for the elderly 
and ensure that corporations and the wealthy pay the taxes that they owe. Democrats say it will combat inflation by reducing the federal deficit. The House voted 220 to 207 along party lines to pass the measure. It's called the Inflation Reduction Act, so you can read more about that on the US government website. Business groups have had a mixed reaction to the legislation, which offers the prospect of higher tax bills for companies, while at the same time giving protection to the fossil fuel industry. Republicans oppose the legislation, warning it will kill jobs by raising corporate tax bills, further fuel inflation with government spending, and inhibit the development of new drugs. So quite a mixed opinion surround this particular piece of legislation. Remains to be seen what will happen. Well, what do you do when the cash runs out? Peloton said this week that they'd cut jobs, shut stores and raise prices on exercise equipment including treadmills and the top-end bikes. The company's undertaking a wide reappraisal of its strategies to maintain revenue flow and improve cash flows. Shares in the company surged on the news, about 11% in the afternoon trade. It's cut 800 jobs in retail in North America. Chief Executive Barry McCarthy has implemented a number of measures, including cost cuts to steady the business, as the pandemic-driven demand for treadmills and exercise bikes has faded. On Friday, the company outlined its aggressive plans to maintain its position. It's eliminating jobs in warehouses and customer support teams too. And it's shifting final mile delivery to third-party logistics providers. And they hope to reduce product delivery costs by up to 50%. Prices across a range of products are rising. And the market felt that this was all good news because they've raised the share price. As one commentator put it to me, short-term pain for long-term gain. Russia's special military operations, as they call it in Ukraine, seem to have cost the country dearly as sanctions bite and the economy is shrinking. According to official statistics, 4% in the second quarter of 2022. The big story out of Ukraine this week is the attacks on the nuclear plant and the difficulties that that's causing for the workforce hold up inside. The nuclear plant in southern Ukraine has six energy blocks. It's the largest power plant in Europe. And the United Nations wants a demilitarized zone, as does the United Kingdom Atomic Energy Authority. This could be spell disaster for Europe if this uh, nuclear plant is damaged and radiation escapes. It could be a disaster on the scale of Chernobyl. It's in southern Ukraine, which is occupied by Russia. The United Nations has called for restraint and asked Russia to stop the attacks on the plant or to make the plant a target. It's a very dangerous situation. And China too has uh, asked Russia to stop with regard to that nuclear plant in Ukraine. Kazakhstan is expected to sell crude through its Azerbaijan oil pipeline from September. It's seeking alternative routes for Oil sold through the Russian pipeline CPC, which goes to a Black Sea port of Novo Roslisk. And that then gives Kazakhstan access to world markets. And they've been doing that for about 20 years. But when Russia threatened to close that pipeline because of Kazakhstan's position on the Ukrainian invasion, they've been seeking alternative outlets. And one of those is through Azerbaijan, through the state firm Sokar. And they'll allow 1.5 million tonnes per year 
of Kazakh crude oil to be sold through the Azeri pipeline, and that delivers oil to Turkey at the Mediterranean port of Sehan. Another opportunity for the Kazakhstan oil is to send it through the Azeri pipeline to Georgia's Black Sea port of Supsa. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Kazakhstan delivers about 1% of the oil worldwide. But although that sounds small, it's not insignificant. In Europe in the past week, there have been sweltering temperatures and there have been outbreaks of fire on tinder-dried land. And that's causing a problem in all kinds of ways. Of course, it's put down to climate change and the more extreme weather conditions that Europe will face in future. So temperatures are hitting 40 degrees and more. And one of the consequences, of course, is food production. Harvests are likely to be damaged as a result of the dry weather. There's a drought declared in parts of the United Kingdom. Remember, it's an island where lots of rain falls, usually, but isn't at the moment. And this is making things difficult for the production of food. And one farmer was telling me that the grassland is bare, dry as a bone, and they're having to use feed that they would normally store for winter feed to feed the animals currently on the farm. And that's going to cause a problem, he said, because they're going to have to lower the herds because they won't have the food to feed them through the winter period. And there's all kinds of field crops due to be picked in the next few weeks and they too could be severely damaged. So that means food prices will go up. There's already been problems with fertilisers and the cost of fertilisers, not just cost, but actually getting hold of fertilisers for the farms to maintain the normal capabilities and soil degradation as a consequence of the long periods of dry weather. I saw something I've never seen in the United Kingdom in the past week, which was uh, a dust mini tornado. And that's a very strange occurrence. So climate change is here and it's here to stay. Well, that's it for this week's news roundup. Hope you've enjoyed the catch up. And don't forget to drop by and listen to the midweek edition of uh, Chain Reaction when we'll be discussing energy. So that's out on Tuesday, August the 16th. Also, if you haven't um, heard the new under five minutes series, which talks about specific supply chain concepts, then you might want to drop by and catch up on, on those. There's just one out at the moment, which is just in time, explained in under five minutes. So you can catch that. And there's another one on the way, which is ESG. So that'll be out shortly. Well, that's it for this news roundup. But just before I go, don't forget, catch up on the episodes that you've missed. And of course, as always, follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. I'll see you next time. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, presented, written and produced by Tony Hines. Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage.
I've been researching and writing about supply chains for over 25 years. I wrote my first book on supply chain strategies in the early 2000s. Each week we have special episodes on particular topics relating to supply chains. Now we have a weekly news roundup every Saturday at 12 noon. All things impacting global supply chains in that week. So come and join us on the Chain Reaction Podcast. I look forward to seeing you there. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. Bye for now.